Welcome to Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba. The programming that you're about to see was taped earlier this year. Clearly, so much has changed since then, and unfortunately, a lot of uncertainty and fear remain. However, the issues and the topics raised in this edition of Lessons in Leadership will still matter once we get through these very challenging and difficult times. So without further ado, Lessons in Leadership. Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato with my trusty colleague. What are we, Batman and Robin? That's Mary Gamba. Ooh. She's the co-host, executive producer of Lessons in Leadership. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm going to order our leotards so we could officially be Batman and Robin. That'll be great. Uh, I'm going to leave that comment alone. That's uh, fine. Because I don't want you to call HR. Listen, uh, <laughs> Mary, tell <laughs> oh, folks. Oh, wait, I'd have to call myself. That's I'm right. You handle HR yes, for us. Yes, I do. Tell everyone where we're broadcasting from. Okay. We are broadcasting right now from East Main Media Studios in Little Falls, New Jersey, in this lovely set that Brian Brodor and his team have built for us. And uh, you may be listening to us on the radio on AM 970 or on the app as well. So there's a ton of play great places that you could catch us. And also check out the AM 970 app. Their, their, their app and their website shows us as well. And also check us out on Google. Yeah, yeah. On Facebook, it's Steve Adubato, PhD. That's A-D-U-B-A-T-O, as well as on Twitter, uh, Steve Adubato. And you can subscribe to hear our past podcasts on Apple Podcast and on Google Play. We're joined by Kevin O'Toole, who's the chairman of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, but happens to be on a business trip out in the very windy city, Chicago. How you doing, my friend, Kevin? I'm good, Steve. How you doing? Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm doing great, Kevin. Thank you. Uh, by the way, by way of background, seven, Kevin O'Toole served more than a few years in the state legislature in New Jersey, including in the Senate. How many in total? 22. 11 in the Assembly, 11 in the Senate. And tell folks about your business practice as a lawyer. So we have 50-odd lawyers in Cedar Grove right next to Little Falls, and we practice in New York, New Jersey, defense uh, litigation, risk management, and some other things that people really don't care about. But that's what, that's what I do professionally. I want to clarify. You said you've had 50-odd lawyers. They're not odd lawyers. They mean 50-plus <laughs> um, minus a few, correct, Kevin? Yeah, 55, <laughs> 57, depending on the day. So, yes, they're not odd. Well, some of them are odd, but they're about 57 <laughs> lawyers that we have under our roof in Cedar Grove, New Jersey. Okay, so let's let's do this. Kevin is a longtime friend. Um, he actually, to fully disclose, Kevin, as a very, very young man, I was only just a little bit older. Kevin was an aide and a top campaign advisor to the gentleman that I had beat when I ran for the state legislature in 1983, John Kelly, God rest his soul, first-class guy. And in 1985, John Kelly came back and beat me at 27. That's why I lost my seat in the legislature. <laughs> and Kevin, you were around for that, weren't you? Well, I was not around for your successful run in 83. I was there for your defeat in 85 when you, when you cried like a little, little baby. Oh, oh you leave God. that part out of the story, Steve. You cried. Well, how did, no, Kevin. that's true. Ask, ask Nikki Greco. He cried. Oh, our, attorney, our mutual friend. Oh, oh, stop. It's not even really cry. Best, best did I really? loss ever. Yes, you did. You cried. And Mount Claire went home to mommy. I remember. <laughs> But anyway, first of all, he's I right. I can't believe that. he don't. You do not feel awful. Why was that? Why? Hold on. It's not about me, even though I'd like it to be Kevin. What, what, seriously, no. Why was that the best loss ever? I was crying. It was terrible because in politics, it would it, it would have stunted your growth. Look what you've gone on to an award winning this and that wonderful stuff. If you stayed in the legislature, you would have run for governor or Congress or the U.S. Senate and been just grinding out in D.C. and wasting <laughs> your talent. That's my take on it. So let, let's transition from that, Kevin, because it seems to me what you're saying, and you and I have talked a lot, and Kevin uh, was mentored uh, along with me 
by my father, which it worked for him and didn't work for me. I mean, <laughs> Kevin, that being said, Kevin, part of leadership for you, part of being really strong is dealing with quote unquote losses, failures, and knowing what to do with them. Is that it? Yeah. Listen, your dad, as you know, as much as you didn't get along with him in the early days, was one of the greatest political teachers uh, that we have seen in New Jersey. And I say that without jest or without uh, joking. He was the smartest political strategist I have ever met in 35 years in politics. And one of the things he taught me is that, first of all, don't savor the wins too long or don't suffer through the losses too long. You just push on to the next fight. And if you win or lose, you turn the page and move on the next day. You know, but it's interesting. You, you talk about my dad, but the reality is your parents have taught you an awful lot. Maybe they did or didn't use the term leadership. They taught you an awful lot about life. How has that impacted how you conduct yourself as a leader, not just previously in the Senate in New Jersey, but also as a business leader and, and a member of the community? How, how has your upbringing influenced your leadership style, Kevin O'Toole? Yeah, so two ways. So my parents got married in the 50s. They were the first like interracial marriage, Korean Irish in Essex County back in the 50s. It was hard for them to get housing. I heard the stories as a young boy about some of the things that they had to overcome. Never once did they complain. They said, you work hard, get there first, punch in, work late, don't complain, get your education and take care of your family. And my mom and dad to this day serve as my greatest motivators and influencers of my life. I'm going to uh, challenge Kevin in this way. By the way, if you're listening uh, um, and you don't see us on the video side, Kevin O'Toole, uh, our good friend and longtime colleague, former member of the state legislature in New Jersey, runs a terrific law firm, uh, one of the big supporters of what we do on public broadcasting, also the chairman of the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey. Let me ask you this, Kevin. Do you have millennials, lawyers who happen to be millennials in your firm? I do. I do. You just talked about my dad, your parents, let's just call it old school, tough, not exactly the same, but both of us knew that excuses were not going to fly in your home or in my home. Fair to say? Never, ever, ever. Um, both of us knew that uh, working hard wouldn't be good enough, that success and getting it done, or as Mary has a sign in front of her, make it happen, was all that mattered. Here's what I'm trying to get at. Do you find that leading and managing those who are just a bit younger than you, millennials, Kevin O'Toole, is more challenging in, in addition to because of your background or in spite of your background? I don't know. The millennials, and I'll put my son who's 22, in that, in that age group, it's a very different psychology. They grew up in the era where everyone gets a, an award because they stepped on the field for five seconds. The folks that I deal with today, you just can't say, just get it done. You have to talk to them differently. You got to reward them differently, pay attention to them differently. And you have to just accept that they are not what we were growing up 30 years ago. It's a very different Do place. you accept it, Kevin? You have no choice. It takes you a while to get your arms around it. Listen, I have, I have 100 employees. Each one of those employees, I go around in a week, I talk to them, see how they're doing, send an email. In our day, you would have none of that. Just like shut up, get up there, cut the grass, pump the gas, go to school and come home, repeat cycle and rinse. And we're not going to negotiate. Not, so, excuse no. me, for, there's no negotiation. Zero. Zero. And you just like rolled up your sleeves and got it done. And you never waited to get a pat on the back and said, great job. Mm. You know, in the day growing up, if you went out and played baseball and you're four for five, you come home and dad's like, well, what about the fifth time you, you didn't get a hit, you know, and that type of thing. I hear you. Hey, Kevin, shift gears. Because one of the things that Kevin O'Toole is noted for, for those who know Kevin and respect him on both sides, I hate that expression, both sides of the aisle. I think they mean Democrats and Republicans. Hey, a lot of people who are neither. 
and there are folks who, who know Kevin. Kevin's a very good negotiator. He negotiated in the legislature in a minority party, meaning the party that was not in power. He negotiated with governors who happen to be of a different party. He negotiates as chairman of the Port Authority of New York, New York, New York and New Jersey. He negotiates as the leader of his law firm with other great leaders, uh, uh, Tom Scrivo and others that you work with. But here's my question. Your, connect, your view of negotiating and leadership, describe it. So first of all, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. So I surround myself with people who are much smarter than me. Then you walk into a negotiation. You just can't say, this is where I'm going from A to Z, and there's no negotiation. You have to really be open-minded and have a sense of where you want to go, but you have to be flexible, and you have to allow the other side to believe that they get a win at the end of the table. But also, Kevin, I've also seen you – sorry, Kevin, I've seen you walk away from the table. Well, listen, you don't give away the store based on principle. If they, if you can negotiate a deal that's fair to your side or your client, you walk away, you push away politely, you shake hands and say, we're not going to reach a deal, which sometimes happens, and then you let this thing play itself out either in a courtroom or some other arena. So let's do this, Kevin. Um, I told you before we got on the air that one of the areas we're going to be focusing on on lessons in leadership. By the way, Steve Adubato, Mary Gamma, Kevin O'Toole calling in from out in Chicago, um, the chairman of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. By the way, Kevin, tell everyone the uh, formal uh, name, the full name of your firm. O'Toole Scrivo. O'Toole Scrivo. That is and- the full name. Got it. Hey, I said we were going to talk about presidential leadership. Let's leave the current president off the table for off now. Off the table, yes. Mary and I will analyze that a little bit later on. But i got to ask you, I'm reading a book that was put out by the folks at C-SPAN, and what they did was they analyzed the uh, greatest, the worst, and the in-between presidents. And I, Kevin, can I get your feedback on this? I know we didn't prep this. They, they, they said that uh, Abraham Lincoln is the number one president, Lincoln, excuse me, Washington number two, uh, FDR, Franklin Roosevelt three, Ted Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt four. Can we just do this? When, again, did you do any reading about because I know you're a student of leadership, did you read it all about these presidents, and did Lincoln have any impact on you? Yeah, certainly Lincoln did. I mean, listen, he pulled together the country probably through the most difficult time of our history. You know, he probably stands out as the, as the foremost leader in terms of our presidents. Now, in our modern time, you know, I can start with Jimmy Carter. His fault was he became a micromanager. I remember reading a story about him when he got into office. He went out into the front yard and was watching a mechanic fix an air conditioning <laughs> unit. And the mechanic turns over after like an hour and says, you would think the president has something better to do. Now, Jimmy Carter is a very principled individual, but he was a micromanager. Now, the opposite, you saw Ronald Reagan. He was an absolute delegator. He had some really smart people around him, and he empowered them to make really smart decisions. I don't think he felt threatened by it. Then you saw, you saw Bill Clinton, who I think was one of the most artful politicians we've ever seen in our life, who after the, you know, he took a drubbing, I guess it was in 94, came back and reinvented himself and just pivoted, did welfare reform. And, you know, the, the American public up until recently kind of embraced him. Is that leadership? And then. Oh, hold on, Kevin, before you go he, past Clinton, is that leadership yeah. or is that just being a savvy politician or is being a savvy politician leadership? No, I think it would be more a savvy politician than anything else. Um, but, you know, listen, Clinton projected an aura and a statesmanship about him that he got things done. But he was obviously very, 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 very savvy. But hold on. You know, before you move, talk, but, but, but yeah. hold on one second. I have this thing, and I'm not a purist. You know that. Uh, I'm, I'm a Boy yeah. Scout. But I want to be clear on this. 
I've always said, and I've written about this, and if you ever have any interest, if folks out there listening and watching, I've written, I wrote uh, several articles about this, um, that I thought that whatever leadership or political traits that Bill Clinton had, what he gave away, in my view, um, was a lack of integrity and a lack of, um, put it this way, it was one thing lying under oath about the Lewinsky stuff, but what really bothered me, and you and I are old school in terms of loyalty, Kevin, he had, Bill Clinton had people around him who had to hire lawyers, lawyers that are not cheap, like Kevin O'Toole, right? I don't mean like yeah. cheap, they're not cheap. You hire great lawyers, right? Yeah. Those people yeah. had to testify before a grand jury, either lie for him or not lie for him, and he knew what the truth was. And for me, Kevin, I could never get, and I'm not a purist, but I can't get past the lack of loyalty that he had for those people around him because he threw them under the bus in an effort to save what? His, whether it was his marriage or his presidency or his, his reputation, I don't know what. But to me, that's bad stuff, Kevin. Listen, remember when Vince Foster, one of his closest buddies, you know, committed suicide and, and left a note about it being a blood sport in D.C. It had just destroyed him and everybody else that was associated with him. And look, whether it's Iran-Contra with Bush, you know, a lot of folks got caught up in that, you know, controversy. Whether it's present day, folks have to get lawyers. They get brought up uh, believing in a leader, and sometimes things go sideways. And ultimately, the leader has to own that. Ultimately, the leader has to lead and be responsible for the people he or she has brought under, into the fold. What about if they hold on, Kevin, and we're not going to talk about Trump in particular, because I think this is the case with a lot of presidents. I'll share my views as to Trump's demeanor and its connection to leadership when we let Kevin go. But I got to say something, Kevin, when presidents or top leaders are constantly looking to pin things on other people underneath them, it's a horrible leadership quality because you put them there as a leader. You put the Department of Defense person there. You put the secretary of state there. You put them there. Correct. Listen, leaders lead. Leaders accept responsibility. When credit is due, you give it to others around you. When blame is to be had, you have to accept it. And that's when people believe in you as a leader. When you make that selection yeah. to this person be your secretary of state or secretary of defense or secretary of education, that is your decision after you vetted them. And if they have failed you, then that is your failure, not theirs. And by the way, I cut you off, Kevin. Any other presidents you want to mention? Because I'm going to ask you one quickie about Chris Christie, who you were a close friend to. We both are, are friends with on, on a certain level. You no, work with him governmentally. Let's, let's, you you yeah. want to do Christie? Yeah, let's do Christy. Okay, because here's the thing. Chris and I, and by the way, you can Google the interviews that I've had, a very spirited dialogue I've had with Governor Christie over the years. And mm. he's a great friend, and I, and I care about him personally. But I've often argued with him. He used to tell me I was too soft and whatever. I said, Chris, sometimes you don't have to be in people's face. Governor style being directly in your face, he argued helped get things done. You were one of the people who helped him get things done. Go ahead, Kevin O'Toole. Yeah. First of all, he was one of the smartest um, polit political minds in, in New Jersey. And he got, listen, his pension reform, if he did nothing else but pension reform in eight years and save $120 billion in savings, um, it's, it's like a modern-day miracle. What he did working with a very uh, Democratic Senate and very Democratic Assembly, you have to – whether you like him or not, you have to respect what he did. Is that leadership? He when he had – it is, yes, of course it's leadership, yep, 100%. Go ahead. Go ahead. Listen, nobody argued more behind a closed door than I did with Chris when I thought that he was wrong or being stubborn. Uh, but he would accept you know, the criticism. He would accept you know, people who would have a different opinion. But at the end of the day, when he made the decision that people he was leading, they would follow his lead, and that's what happened. 
I thought he was an exceptionally strong leader. I really do. I, I enjoyed working with him. And frankly, the collaborations and, and fights between Sweeney and Christie and I really did not mind going back and forth, having negotiations on both sides for a better New Jersey. By the way, Kevin O'Toole, the chairman of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, his law firm, um, O'Toole Scrivo, uh, et cetera, formerly served in the state legislature for more than a couple of decades, including in the Senate. Uh, he mentioned the Steve Sweeney. We're going to have Steve Sweeney, the president of the state Senate in New Jersey, a very strong leader, not just governmentally, but because of his work as a union leader. He's an iron worker, right, Kevin? He's an iron worker. He's as tough as they come. He, he's very pragmatic. I enjoy working with Steve for eight years. Consider him a close personal friend. Spoke to him this morning, as a matter of fact, and he is uh, an exceptional public servant. Last thing, biggest leadership lesson you've learned in your life. A, B, big number one challenge that you face today as leader. Go. Number one, the biggest lesson, you have to be able to, whatever you were telling people to do, you have to be willing to do it yourself. You can't just dictate it to them. You have to sit, roll up your sleeves and do it. And you have to stand by what you mean. Don't be a hypocrite. If you tell them they have to be in a certain place at a certain time with a certain moral code, you have to hold yourself in that same light and be that same leader. And they have to believe in you. Number Those one challenge you I face. Is just having people have the same type of work ethic and understanding this new dynamic, this new generation and, and molding them somewhat into, you know, folks that we have molded into it. They're just a, it's a very different dynamic work, work ethic wise, culturally. Uh, it's a very different place. You've been listening to Kevin O'Toole, the chairman of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, a very successful attorney with his firm together with Tom Scrivo and, and uh, a longtime friend of ours, formerly in the state legislature. Kevin and I, I, I called Kevin out in Chicago and I said, listen, are you willing to do this? And he's such a good guest and he's such a strong communicator that you don't need to talk through what you're going to talk about. You just know it's going to be a good conversation. Mary, final thoughts before I let him go? No, Kevin, thank you so much. I know that. Uh, it, thank you. Yeah, you walked out of what you were doing. So thank you. We really appreciate it. By the way, we said on. it was a right. five minute thank interview. Um, yeah. We told yeah. Kevin five <laughs> minutes. Um, so, Lies. Liars, leaders shouldn't lie. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin O'Toole. We'll be back right after this. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Stay tuned. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Prager Metis, Gibbons PC, Valley Bank, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gamba. We want to thank our friend Kevin O'Toole, former Senator Kevin O'Toole, Chairman of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, also a very successful attorney, calling in. By the way, he said leaders shouldn't lie, and I called him the other night, and I said, Kevin, you're in Chicago on a business trip. Can you take five minutes to talk five to us minutes. on our show? Mm -hmm. How long are we on? Let's see, uh, about 30. <laughs> no, no, we're on about 20, 20 minutes? minutes. Yeah, 20 minutes. I think he's mad. I, think I don't think so. There friend. were a couple of sighs toward the end there. So <laughs> I think he was like giving us the hint. But, you know, by the way, we're talking about presidential leadership here. I've got my book, my, one of my favorites by Donald uh, Phillips, Lincoln on Leadership. This is a good one. Alexander Hamilton. This is the book in which the great play Hamilton comes from. I didn't read the book, but I saw the play and it's amazing. Is that right? Amazing. Well, it comes from Chernow's work. Yeah. And uh, this book on, on presidents, that's, it's, not put, it's put out by C-SPAN. But it's frankly been written and contributed to by all these great writers and others. But Mary, before we talk about that, let's get this one out of the way. Kevin O'Toole uh, said something I didn't expect him to say. Yeah. He said that in 1985, when I lost my seat in the legislature, right, after I won it, mm -hmm. 
Okay, mm-hmm. he said he wasn't there for the my victory, but he was there. How long were you there for? I was just asking. Legally? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for 18 months, and then in two years, I had, I had no, I was there for two years. It's two I years. I, yeah. I think our two listeners years. wanted term, to know. One term. So I was in at 25 out of 27, but here's the point. Kevin was working for my opponent, and I didn't expect him to say, I was there the night you lost, because actually my opponent, John Kelly, who I beat, came there, and Kevin must have been with him, mm-hmm. and he started saying, Kevin was saying, I was crying. And you were laughing. I was shocked. I was shocked. Well, number one, I don't think I've ever seen you cry and laughing because I'm just visualizing a grown man. But really, you weren't. How old were you? 22 at the time? No, I said 27. 27? You were 27? Yeah. I thought you were younger. So then that's even. You got to vote first before you're in the legislature. (laughs) Go ahead. I just pictured you there crying. I pictured the tears coming out of your eyes. But what does that have to do with leadership? I I don't know. That's why I wanted to find out. I was looking forward to continuing the conversation. I think that what you're implying, and we will talk about. By by the way, Lincoln Mm -hmm. cried. The greatest oh, leader, sure. of, greatest presidential leader of all time. Mm-hmm. You, you seem to be saying, as Tom Hanks said in the great film. Yeah. What's the name of the film? <laughs> a League of <laughs> Their Own. A League of Their Own. Thank you very there's much. No our our daughter baseball. Olivia watched it. Yeah. You mm-hmm. say there's no crying in baseball and no crying in leadership. There should not be crying. Oh. There should not be, but not in a public place. You said you <laughs> he wasn't even on your team, no, and you there saw were 2, you crying. In a room. And you said it was ugly crying. You said it was like no, maybe some I never sobbing used the going term on. Ugly crying. Here's the point I'm trying to make. I do think that leaders, mm-hmm. regardless of the circumstance, you can show emotion. Mm-hmm. Now I think you're implying out of control emotion is a problem. Right. It sounded to me as if there was actually sobbing going on. So I didn't know if it was just a couple okay. of tears because you're, you know, and that's fine. It's good. It showed your, your soft side. This. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Stop tape. No. Um, <laughs> let's go back to this presidential thing. One of the things that strikes me about, and again, if you want to read about presidential leadership, ch- log on to our website at stand-deliver.com. You see the lower third as we're doing this right and now. And you write a lot, and again, uh, before we go into another direction, but also on Facebook and Twitter uh, where people can follow you, you write a lot of great articles and columns based on things going on in leadership today. So people can follow you on Facebook. It's Steve Adubato, PhD. That's A-D-U-B-A-T-O. In fact, I'm glad you mentioned that because in one of the, I actually wrote in Lessons in Leadership, this book, Lessons in Leadership, I wrote Leadership Lessons from JFK and also Leadership Lessons from Lincoln. And as we're talking about presidential leadership, Leadership oh. Lessons from the Godfather. <laughs> Somehow that book has magically gone into almost every segment. Don Corleone had nothing on Lincoln. No, but Mm-mm. this is my point. The reason I was fascinated by Kennedy was because in 1962, there was something called the Bay of Pigs. Do you know what it is? I'm, I'm aware, yeah. All right, I'm not quizzing mm-hmm. you, but yeah, here's please, the deal. Please don't. Not oh. on history anyway. Listen, there's the Bay of Pigs. Brian, you know the deal? Mm-hmm. So Kennedy's convinced, based on flawed intelligence from the military people who were advising him, a leader's only as good as his or her people, right? They said, we can go into Cuba. We go in there with X number of troops. We're going to storm the beaches. We're going to take Castro out because Cuba is messing with us, they're tied to Russia. Trust me on this, Mary, there's a logic to this. We're gonna go in there, it'll be a 20 minute operation, we're gonna take them out. Bay of Pigs, that's where it was. Except what happened was they actually went there and the Cuban military was waiting for them and decimated the American troops, killed countless Americans. It was such a terrible, terrible embarrassment. It was one of the greatest failures of presidential leadership ever. Kennedy was written off as young, immature, inexperienced. He relied too much on the generals who were much older than he was. 
what I've always been impressed by about Kennedy, and I've always thought that because he was assassinated on, 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 on November 22nd, 1963, that sometimes he's uh, the myth around him is different than the reality. What I was struck by is he turned around and he said, what do I need to learn from this? And in my, in my chapter on Kennedy, trust me, there's a point here. He said, you know what? I screwed up so terribly. He told everyone around him, this was on me. He never blamed the generals. He never blamed anyone else. He said, my naivete, my trusting you guys, my not asking the right questions caused me to make a terrible decision. And within a year, less than a year, the Cuban Missile Crisis happened. And those missiles were just a few miles off of Miami facing the United States, and he stared down the Russians and in the face of nuclear disaster because he had better intelligence, he was more mature, he asked better questions, and he turned himself into a great presidential leader in the Cuban Missile Crisis, and just a few months before was horrible. Now, peaks and valleys, mm -hmm. ups and downs, learning from failures, you say, yeah, absolutely. And that's a great example of doing just that. And uh, your other great book, uh, You Are the Brand, talks about the rebranding of whether it could be any type of failure in business or in a presidential situation, but being able to pick yourself up, own the situation, and then learn from it and come out better on the other end. That's what we're doing. That's what leadership is all about. So Donald Trump, I'm less interested in the policies and the politics of Donald Trump, and I'm more interested in presidential demeanor. The concept of stability, demeanor, even, and being a great leader and a great president, you say? I think that uh, having those qualities for any leader, whether you're the pre especially when you're the president, when all eyes are on you, whether you know a camera's on or not, are critical to effective leadership. Because if they see that the president is faltering, if they see that you know you can't see him break a sweat, and even you know scarier is if they see him literally being almost like abrupt. It's going to make you feel not as confident in him in him as a leader. And, and the name calling. Good. You and I have talked about this before. Yeah. I've never been a fan. And again, this is interesting because we, we mm -hmm. had a guest from uh, Atlantic. Yeah. Um, Jim Ferguson was with us, and we talked mm -hmm. about being a nice person. He said, listen, nice people, respectful people, courteous people can be really strong leaders. I'm going to argue that even those who like Donald Trump don't see him as nice and courteous and thoughtful. They actually question the degree to which he has empathy and compassion. I don't know if that's true or not. Right. I can only go by his demeanor and how he sure. conducts himself in public. Does that concern you as someone who, frankly, is awfully empathetic, compassionate, and has a pretty darn even demeanor, no matter what the circumstance? It does, because what you want to see in your leader is a reflection of yourself, or at least your same do moral it? compass. You do. You absolutely do. You're going to follow someone that you see the similar qualities that you see in yourself. And if you see somebody like Trump or it could be your boss acting erratic or in a way that you wouldn't, it will make you question your own morals of why am I following this person? So it does. I think that you want to reflect in that other person the same qualities that you want in yourself. It's so interesting because Lincoln, who uh, Abraham Lincoln, who Kevin O'Toole talked about, Lincoln suffered from depression, yeah. tremendous anxiety. He was not an overly confident person. Right. He was, believe it or not, very self-aware of what he perceived to be his unattractive appearance in public. Oh, I mean, all these things went mm -hmm. on. Um, and there's mental illness around him and his family. I wonder that Lincoln, with all those challenges, with all those insecurities, whatever other mental health issues were going on, led us through the Civil War. 
Yeah. It, it goes back to what we really started this whole series about is there's no excuse. He did not have any, he didn't use that as an excuse. He didn't use his, if, if you want to say mental illness or just challenges that he had. I don't or even think they called it that then, They didn't the even way. know what it was. They didn't right. know what to call it. But we, we can, you know, phrase it that now, but he didn't let that be an excuse or an obstacle to get to where he wanted to be. He had his vision, he was passionate about it, and he was going to figure out how to get there despite any obstacle or mountain that he had to do in order to get there. And one of the things that Lincoln did, I want to make it clear on this, is a wonderful book by Doris Kearns Goodwin about um, Lincoln. It's called Team of Rivals. And the whole idea was he only won by a certain percentage of the vote, and trust me, it wasn't a plurality. It was just a minor... Mm -hmm. It was just a few more votes than his opponent in the 1860 election. Why am I saying this? Because most of the country was against him. He figured out those who were against him, he brought into his cabinet. He brought them in to be closest to him to help him make decisions. The person who was running against him for president, he turned around and asked him if he could help him read his, write his inaugural yeah. address. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer, uh, right? Which I mean, comes from I know, I... this presidential leadership book called <laughs> right. The Godfather by Mario Puzo. I'm sorry. Out of time. I apologize. But <laughs> that he I'm stole a, from the library. <laughs> That's the size of This is from the Newark Public Library in 1978. I'm I know. sorry. I'm not even joking. Yeah, it is. I noticed the stamp the on the side. Yeah. Listen, I'm Steve Adubato. That is Mary Gamba, and it's been an honor and a pleasure to be with you. Check out next time. Stay tuned for Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, where Steve talks with high-profile thought leaders about the critical issues, trends, and challenges facing New Jersey, the region, and our nation today. Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Prager Metis, Gibbons PC, Valley Bank, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825.